I've been driving all night, got 400 miles to go. Got the pedal to the metal and Vince Gill on the radio. I just went through Texarkana, heading down to San Antonio. But that's the life of the trucker driving his lonesome road. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff and Gary Rayburn. And yes, we have an awesome program for you today. And as you can tell by the intro music, we're not your typical church. We are a church without walls, a church out of the box. We send the gospel message all across America. We not only use radio programs, we use the truckers to help spread the gospel all across the country with our CD ministry. So if you'd like to find out more, give us a call at 618 618- 383-2107. We want to send you some of our CDs and you can partner with us to spread the gospel to your family, your friends, and your community. Now sit back and enjoy today's program. Then call the radio station and tell them how much you enjoyed today's program. Probably get lucky down around San Antonio. Find a long star, honey, that would like to come this rigor on. Ah, but you know that kind of loving, it will only wreck your home. It's the life of a trucker driving as a lonesome road. Yeah, I said, drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna ruin your life Well it can't be the money that keeps me on the run It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road Yeah, I said drive, trucker drive You better run for your life She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna ruin your life can't be the money that keeps me on the run It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road boy Hey, Breaker 1-9 How's that looking over your shoulder there, buddy? Come on back, anybody got your ears on out there? Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and we've got an awesome program for you today. We have Joe Arview, and I know you're going to enjoy Joe's music. And if you'd like to get a copy of some of uh, Joe's music, then you give him a call at 618-927-1986 and order some of his great music CDs. Or book him for your church or your Christian event. Joe also preaches a Revivals around the area, and he'd love to come and minister with you. Take it away, Joe. Well, it's all go down to the river. There's a man who's walking on the water. Come along with me. All I want to see is this man walking water. Now Jesus is a man at the river, and he's washing those people's sins away. Oh, he can save your soul if you'll give him control and be ready for that judgment day. Well, let's all go down to the river. There's a man who's walking on the water. Come along with me. All I want to see this man walking on the water I wandered so aimless I filled with sin I wouldn't let my dear Savior in But then Jesus came like a stranger in the night Oh praise the Lord I saw the light I saw the light, no more in darkness, no more in night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Oh, praise the Lord, I saw the light. 
this life is over I'll fly away To a land on God's celestial shores I'll tell you what, them old tunes are just hard to beat. My middle son is my namesake. His name is Joseph William Arby III. I'm Joseph William Arby II. My dad's Joseph William Arby I. You figured that out? My grandson is Joseph William Arby IV. When the third was eight weeks old, he had a stomach problem. We had to take him for a surgery. You know what it's like to take your little babies and have surgery done? It's just about as hard as anything you can do. Only thing worse would be a funeral. But I went to this hospital and you know they put him on one of them tables and then a little bed on top of the table. And he was gonna have a surgery the next day and they put an IV in his head and strapped him down, told us don't pick him up, don't hug him, don't you know what I'm talking about? That little boy, he just screamed and screamed and screamed and screamed till he didn't have a voice. I don't, I don't want to see that doctor on the street. I, I'd like to hear him scream a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? I just, I don't want that to happen. But that little guy lay there in that bed. Well, you know what you do whenever your, your baby is going to have surgery? You pray. And they told us it was a 50-50 chance. You start hearing numbers like that, and it makes you pray. And, it, and you know what? You pray, and just let's all just get honest here, all right? When you pray, most of the time, you don't feel like anybody is listening. Are you honest? But what do you do? You pray anyway, because that's your faith. That's your faith. You believe anyway. And you believe that God's going to be in control and it's going to be okay. Well, I prayed for that baby until I couldn't pray no more. About 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm watching him. And I saw a big hand come out of the ceiling. Just a little vision for me. You know what I'm talking about? The Lord did that for me. That little hand, that big hand, come down over that little baby and just sort of rested on top of him and then went through and just sort of dissipated into the floor. And I knew right then it was going to be okay. Well, it is. Fast forward 25 years, I'm in a waiting room. My son that was eight weeks old, is now going to be a dad. And his wife is back there in the delivery room, along with my wife, along with her mom, and I'm in the waiting room where men ought to be. I don't smoke, but I'd pass out cigars a long time before I go back there. Amen. But I was getting phone calls from my wife telling me how things was going, and it was going bad. His heartbeat was slowing down. He was, he was trying to be born, and he was in distress. And so we're all a-praying, you know. And there's a nurse in there, and she's a Christian nurse. And she's been telling him, you better be a-praying. You need to get a hold of the ear of God right now. Isn't that cool? we still got some Christian people. Talk about God in public. So... It started going bad, and she, she kept calling me, and finally she called me, and she said, it's, it's really bad. He, he's not breathing. He's born, and he's not breathing, and his heart stopped. Oh, man. Man. 
I didn't know what it was like to be a grandpa. So I didn't have that experience yet. But I knew my son was hurting. And so I run back through the doors, run back there. and Him and my wife are standing there in the hallway, and I run up and grabbed him, and we fell to the floor. They'd run everybody out of the room, you know. We began to pray. My son says it best. Pray and don't describe what you do. You beg. Please, God. Please, God. Because you know what? God can do it. You know he can do it. And here's where your faith prays again. You know he can. About that time, the doors busted open behind me. She, the nurse was hollering. He's moving his hands. He's moving his hands. I looked back, and sure enough, man, his hands and his feet was all straight up in the air getting with it. He's alive, you know. Amen. Well, that was our journey began then because they airlifted him to St. Louis. We took off up there. And, oh, man, it's the hardest thing in the world, you know. And there he is, this little baby on that table just like my son was. Little bed on top of a table, strapped down. They're lowering his body temperature. You know, they was worried about this oxygen thing. He didn't have oxygen to his brain. They wondered if he'd be a vegetable. They wondered if his organs was going to work, all that kind of stuff. And, and he hadn't opened his eyes, and I was real concerned about that. About 3 o'clock in the morning, we'd been doing that praying thing where you, walk, you get up out of your chair, and you walk up to the baby, and you look at the baby, and you pray. You stand there and then you sit back down. You can't sit for five minutes. You get right back up and do the same thing over and over again. About three in the morning, me and my son, one on each side of this little baby, praying. And all of a sudden, them little eyes opened up. He looked toward my son, looked toward me and back and forth. And I knew it was going to be okay. There's... The people all around it will tell you, don't worry, it's going to be okay. What well, ain't your grandson? Amen? You get peace from God. God brings peace. All the way from heaven, he sends peace right down there into our hearts. But what I learned is that sometimes babies don't make it. They don't come home. They go to be with Jesus. You all believe that? I looked around in that hospital and there's babies that did not make it home. They made it home. So what I learned was it's going to be okay. And I wrote a little song and I'm going to close with this and I want to thank you for letting me come and speak and I'm sorry I took so much time but it just takes it. Y'all stick around okay. This little song is called Here With Me. This day must make you wonder If you're gonna make it through The time has come for you to find The faith I've given you To see your baby lying there All lifeless and alone Is something I can help you make it through I faced that with my home When I gave you Jesus My one and only son This battle that you're facing now I've already won And I hear your cry And I know just what you If you never hold that baby there He'll be with me Well, I know you've had your doubts 
and your fears have abound. Now you've got to trust me. I won't let you down. Well, that child of yours is coming home. Just you wait and see. Lift up your eyes this day and see your victory. I gave you Jesus My one and only son This battle that you're facing now I've already won And I hear your cry And I know just what you need If you never hold He'll be with me Though the thunder's shaking And the rain fade your view And the lightning strike in your path I'll be here for you For you Cause I gave you This battle that you're facing now, I've already won. Well, I hear your cries, and I know just what you need. If you never hold your baby there, he'll be if you. God bless you. Uh, I want to read to you uh, Luke chapter 15. It's the parable of the lost sheep. And I'll just, I'll just go ahead and start with uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on the, his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner, that repenteth more than the over the 99 just persons which need no repentance. I was that lost sheep. I was the one. My testimony, uh, I grew up in a good home. I had a good mom and dad, loved me very much. I was always popular in high school. I was an uh, athlete. So I, I had a good life, and uh, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, and I'm not going to tell you all of them because you don't need to know them. But uh, at the age of 20, I became an over-the-road truck driver, got married, became an over-the-road truck driver, and got out there on the road out into the world, and I was, uh, I was as lost as you could be. Back in them days, 1972, when I became an over-the-road truck driver, speed was out there for any truck driver, and it was... Uh, you was encouraged to take it by uh, a lot of your company people, and uh, and it was expected uh, of you. Was everybody taking speed? No, no. There was a lot of good good people out there in the trucking world that didn't need that. They didn't need it in their life. There was good Christian people out there, but I wasn't one of those. So I thought I had to do it. So I got used to doing speed as a truck driver at the age of 20 years old, and I lived my life like that. Drugs and alcohol was became part of my life. I became a drug addict. I became an alcoholic. At the age of 43, I was on my third marriage. I, mar I met a lady by the name of Linda uh, in 1983, and we got married, and she was uh, a backslidden Christian. She was one of those lost 
out there, one of the one that had got away from the church. We got married in 1983. We tried several years to have a, a child, and we never could. Uh, but uh, when our marriage got so bad, she finally came back to God. I drove her back to God, I guess. <laughs> uh, which, which is a good thing, I guess. But anyway, uh, she started going to church in, uh, in uh, 1988. Uh, after we give up trying to have a child, we had a child. <laughs> our marriage was so bad that uh, we was getting ready to get a divorce. I was such a drug addict and alcoholic that she had had enough, and she was getting ready to leave me, and she got pregnant. And so we stayed together because of that. And we had a little girl in 1988. By 1994, we this little baby of ours had grown up, and she had such a, a nervous condition and anxiety problems that we just didn't know what to do with her. I mean, we was at our wits' end. So this uh, Baptist preacher at home had a counseling place up there in town. I live in Wayne City, Illinois. About a, he had a church about like this. Boy, this really reminds me of my first church. And ain't that, ain't that a coincidence? <laughs> but uh, he had a counseling place up there, and my wife started taking our daughter to the counselor up there, which was a Baptist preacher by the name of Russ Beatles. He started witnessing to her and got her back in church. So she started going back to church, taking uh, uh, my daughter and, and her other daughter and my two sons. We all lived. I had my two sons from my first marriage. She had her daughter from her first marriage. And then we had a child. And when she started going back to church, she rededicated her life, uh, became part of a church family like this right here. And once you become part of a church family, you pray together and she started sharing with uh, the, her family about me. Got this family to praying for me. And I was so far out there. It works. It works. Prayer does work. So God bless you people here for your prayers that you was praying for a while ago. Because prayer works. I am saved because of people like you praying for the lost one. The one away. So... People started praying for me, and she called the 700 Club one night and had them pray for me. And uh, by this time, I'd, I'd quit doing drugs, and I was just a full-blown alcoholic, man. I couldn't go one day without drinking. And our marriage was just about over, and I loved my little daughter so much, I didn't want to see... I'd, I'd failed twice in marriage, and I, I just... I've got to do something to try to keep this marriage alive. And so... One morning, I said, I think I'll go to church with you. I don't know why, but <laughs> I think I will. And so I remember that first day I walked in that Baptist church. Got a foyer just like that one. I walked through the door, and I went, it didn't fall in. <laughs> so I walked on in, and, and people started shaking my hand and telling me how glad they were, how glad they was to see me, and that just made me feel good. And I thought, well, maybe this won't be so bad. I can get through this. And so I would sit in there and listen on Sunday morning to the pastor, and he was always talking about this man called Jesus. And that was what he'd say, this man called Jesus. And he preached Jesus every Sunday. And as soon as I left Sunday, I'd go home and pop me a beer, and, man, I'd, I'd be... I drank every, every day, so that's what I did. I couldn't wait to get home to drink beer. This went on for quite a while. And finally, uh, when you hear about this man called Jesus, you got to do something. You either got to come forward or go backwards. And so I went backwards. I was under conviction, and I thought, I don't need that every Sunday. That's, I mean, it seemed like every Sunday this guy's talking to me about this man it was just like he was talking right at me and I was under so much conviction I just I just said I don't think I want to go to church anymore this is not for me and so I quit going and once I quit going to church our marriage really went downhill and and we was at our wits end and one night 
we, me and my wife had this huge argument, and uh, I finally I just said, "Get out of here! I don't. I just I'm ready for this to be over. I just don't want to. I just don't want to go through this no more." So she left, and uh, but she went to her pastor's house, Russ Beatles, and and uh, it wasn't long. He called me and asked me if he could come down and talk to me. You know how these pastors are. They won't leave you alone, so. You might as well just say yes and let him come. Get it over with. So I said, yeah, come on. And so he, it was Saturday night. It was 10 o'clock at night. I mean, golly, how many pastors can you get to go witness somebody on Saturday night at 10 o'clock? They're getting ready for their sermons, you know. But this guy, he was a, he was a great guy, a great witness. Uh, he came to my house, knocked on my door. I was drinking beer like I always do, and I took my beer and I put it behind my chair because I didn't want that pastor to see my beer. I mean, that's just something you don't do, drink in front of a pastor. So I, I hid my beer and I answered the door, and he come in, and he brought, a, brought with him a little track that said, Eternal Life. And he asked me if, I could, if he could read that to me. And I said, yeah, you can. And he, he kneeled down beside of me. I was sitting in a chair, and he kneeled down beside of me and started reading that tract to me. And he read all that tract to me and explained every bit of it to me about eternal life, uh, what Ann was talking about. And he got to the end of it, and there's a little sinner's prayer in there. And he said, would you like to say this prayer and be saved? And I said, no, I don't think that's for me. And he said, okay. And he just left. And I thought, whew, made it. Got through another one. I won't have to put up with him no more. He's done with me. And so I went to bed. Next morning, I, I woke up on a Monday morning. It was August 13th, 1995. And I left uh, in my semi going up to northern Illinois. I had a delivery to make on Monday. And this was Sunday. I always left, I left on Sunday, so, you know, my wife's going to church, so I just went ahead and left. And I'd just go on up there and leave and deliver on Sunday. I could deliver any time I wanted to, so I had to be there by Monday, but I just delivered it Sunday. Sunday morning, I got up at 4 a.m. and left. My wife was on the couch. <laughs> She'd come home and slept on the couch. And I left, and about an hour away is Nashville, Illinois. I was driving across the interstate uh, 64 there at home. I started thinking about what that preacher had said, and, and I thought, thinking about that little track, eternal life, and I started uh, talking to God. And I heard myself talking to God, and I thought, well, I don't even know if there is a God. You know, I'm not, I'm not so sure about all this. So uh, I just said, God, if you're really real, prove it to me. I want to see a sign from you. I was crying and tears rolling down my eyes and drove up the road a little ways and it, it just started getting daylight and then right at daylight I looked out in the field and there was a sign that said Christ is the answer and I thought well that's what I asked for a sign from God I got excited and uh, you ever seen these cartoons where you got that angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder that's just like that's that is so Somebody was under conviction that made that cartoon because they know what it's like. Because <laughs> that day, the devil popped up on this side and started saying, that's not from God. I mean, when you asked for a sign, you didn't mean you wanted a sign. And I said, yeah, that's right. I didn't. When I asked, I, so I started talking to God. And I said, God, when I asked for a sign, I didn't mean I wanted a sign. I mean, I wanted something else, something real, something that would prove to me that you're real. And so I drove on up the road. And a little while later, uh, I was driving along and this white uh, van pulled up beside of me. It was strange, really strange. I still remember this. Pulled up right beside of me and uh, this lady was sitting in the passenger seat, rolled down her window and stuck her thumb out like that and pointed to the sky. And I thought, well, that's weird. What's that all about? And then as she went by, I seen that it was a church bus. And I thought, well, that's from God. 
God's given me something real. A person from church telling me he's up there. And the devil popped back up and really had a laugh at me that time and told me how silly that was. And I said, yeah, I guess that is pretty silly. And so I just started talking to God again. And, you know, praying to God is, is really just a conversation with him. I guess I was praying. And I said, God, what, when I asked for a sign, you know, I didn't mean I wanted something real, something big that would prove to me that you're real. You know, I'm imagining a lightning bolt right down in front of me, just zapping the highway, you know. And that's not a very good thing to be imagining when you're hauling dynamite. That's what I used to haul. <laughs> but uh, that's what I had pictured, you know. I thought, you know, that would if that happened, I'd know that was from God, you know. And so... I said, God, i got to have something else, something big. And so I drove on up the road. Drove for several hours, and I'm just thinking about this preacher. I'm thinking about this man called Jesus that he kept talking about. I'm praying. I'm talking to God. And I get up to my destination, and nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing. Uh-huh. Well, okay. So I sit. I... Uh, Takes me about an hour to unload my load, uh, so I get unloaded and get all my hoses picked up and and leave and take off from there. And I decide to go back a different way, so I went across over to Rockford uh, and uh, took 20 across to Rockford and then went down I-39 south and headed home a different route. As I was going across Rockford, I just started talking to God again. I said, God, I gotta know. You know, if you're real, you got to prove it to me. I want something big. I need a sign from God. And so I turned south on I-39 and drove down the road a little ways, and I was just getting ready to cross the Illinois River Bridge. And I looked out in the field, and there was this sign, a big sign. And I looked out there, and I saw the face of Jesus Christ, had a crown of thorns, blood, dripping off his face, his finger pointing at me like that right there, blood dripping off his fingers, and the sign read, this one's for you. And when... When I read that sign and looked in the face of Jesus, I just, I just couldn't. I just kept, I just cried and cried. Tears rolling down my face. And I thought about that preacher that took the time out of his day to come to my house and read a little tract of me looking for the one. He wasn't worried about his congregation. He was worried about one that was lost. And he read that tract of me and I tried to remember that sinner's prayer in the back and I couldn't remember it. So I just... I just ask God to forgive me. I said, I I just ask you to forgive me, Lord. Save my soul. I don't want to go to hell. If you'll save me, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll tell anybody that I can about Jesus. Savior of the world. And at that moment, it was like somebody just took the weight of the world off of my chest. I felt like I was floating. And God saved my soul. 
He saved me that day out there on the highways, driving down the road at 60 mile an hour. You know, if I'd have thought about it, I'd have pulled over, but I didn't think about it. I just, I just couldn't help. I just kept driving and crying. I couldn't see where I was going, but God had to wheel. And I floated home that day. It was like I was floating. I, I don't even remember the rest of the trip. But when I got home, it was late at night. My wife was home in bed. And I just went to bed. The next morning, I got up. My wife was already up. She was in the kitchen. and I walked in the kitchen and she looked at me and she said, What's going on? I said, what do you mean? She said, there's something different about you. <laughs> I had that Jesus smile on my face like Tony Mack talks about. That ear-to-ear smile. And I started telling her what had happened to me. And she said, you got to call Russ. I said, I know. <laughs> and so I called Russ. I said, Russ, can you come to town? And I got something I want to tell you. He said, I'll be right there. He knew what he knew what had happened. The Holy Spirit had already told him. And he came to town and I shared my testimony with him and told him what had happened. And he said, I knew that's what it was, brother. I knew that's what it was. He just gave me a big hug and he said, You gotta you gotta share this with the church. I said, Oh, I don't know if I can do that. He said, Well, you got to. You gotta tell somebody. I said, I just told you. He said, That's not enough. I said, Okay, I will. So the next Sunday I, I got up and shared my testimony with the church and and from that day oh um, that day that day was the most magnificent day of my life the grass was greener the sky was bluer Amen, brother. everything had changed I mean it's like scales fell off I never seen grass that green in my life I didn't know we had green grass and skies was blue, and I remember one night stopping uh, out at the, when I come in at midnight one night, and I looked up at the skies. I always had to stop and unlock the gate to get into our plant, and I got out and I looked at the skies, and oh, it was the most magnificent sight I'd ever seen. It's like you could reach out and touch the stars. I'd never seen the sky like, look like that before in my life. And that's what it's like when, when God comes into your life. And so, I remember my prayer. God used me. That was, what, that was my whole prayer. Is God, I, here I am, Lord, send me. And I didn't know it was in the scripture, but it is. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Here I am, Lord, send me. I started praying that prayer and, and asking God to use me. I, I, did, I did make God a deal on that night. I, I didn't know if he was allowed to do that or not, but I'd done it anyway. And I said, God, I want to I serve you. If you're going to save me, I, wanna be able, I want you to use me. I don't want to go sit on a, on a church pew and just wait for, the, for you to come back. I want, uh, there's got to be something I can do. I don't know what it is. I'm not capable but God, you can surely find me something for me to do and, and use me. And uh, after I got saved, uh, all I wanted to do was read my Bible. I just wanted to find out who this man called Jesus was. And I started reading my Bible and, and uh, I'd leave on the week and I'd spend all week long reading my Bible. And, and while I was driving, God would give me things to write down. And I didn't know what it meant. I'd just write them down. And uh, I wrote out a whole page of things. And I looked, read that page, and they, I'd, one line, two lines, they'd rhyme. And I thought, uh, and I took that to my wife one time and showed it to her. And she, I said, what do you think of all this? And it just didn't make a bit of sense. And she said, uh-huh. <laughs> she didn't know what to think of it. I didn't either. But anyway, I ended up writing my testimony out one time. Sat down and wrote my testimony out, what had happened to me that day. It, it rhymed. And I read it in church one day, and somebody said, hey, that'd make a good song. You ever thought about writing songs? I said, no, never have. All them lines on them pages has been a different song. I've wrote over 140 songs now, and we use them in our ministry. But uh, getting back to uh, how God could use me, I'm a nobody. I'm just an ordinary man. 
uh, truck driver with no skills, there's got to be something I can do, God. So after reading the Bible for a couple years, I uh, found out in Sunday school class that every time there was a question, I knew, I knew right where to, where to turn to, where to go. Uh, it's amazing what happens when you read your Bible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, while the other people they didn't know any, the, the answers, and I always seemed to know the answer, and for long, uh, they just needed a Sunday school teacher, and they, everybody was pointing at me. <laughs> I thought, I'm no teacher. So I ended up teaching a Sunday school class, and then I became the Sunday school director. And I don't know. It's, uh, I was looking for anything that, that I could do to serve the Lord. I didn't care. I, I'd go plunge the toilets, whatever God wanted me to do. It's not, it's not uh, what you do. It's who you do it for. Amen. Amen. So that's all I wanted to do, serve God. And I was, I was fine with whatever God wanted me to do. And I was still an over-the-road truck driver, but I had a job where I was home every weekend, so it, I got to go to church every Sunday. But in 1999, I was driving out across Virginia, and I stopped at a truck stop, and I picked up a, a tape. There was a basket of tapes in the driver's room that said, free gospel tapes, take one and pass them on. And it said, Gospel Sunrise. And that's where we was at this weekend. I met, I got to meet the man that put that basket out. The first time I'd ever met him. Raymond Brunk. What a man of God. Amen. 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 You guys know, you, you got to meet him too. But I got to meet Raymond Brunk. But I picked up a handful of them tapes. And I listened to them and I thought, man, this is just what I need out here on the road. Because that road is a lonesome road. And it's a, it's a worldly road. And Christians can get ate up in that world out there. So I thought, man, this is just what I need. There was uh, testimonies. There was music. There was uh, preaching on these tapes. And I'd listen to them all week long. And every truck stop I'd stop at, I'd look for more. And I picked up one out in uh, Georgia one time. Is, and it said, I-20 for Jesus. And I plugged that thing in, and there was a man on that tape by the name of Ray Sisk. And he started speaking to you as soon as you plugged that thing in. Didn't he, brother? Amen. You know him. And uh, it's just like he was sitting right there beside of you. And just a big, friendly, warm voice. And man, I loved that. And I started listening to that tape. And, and somewhere in that tape, God spoke to me. And he said, this is your ministry. This is what I've called you to do. I want you to start a tape ministry. And I thought, I don't think I can do that. I, I, don't, I wouldn't know where to begin. And uh, God just kept speaking to me and talking to me about this ministry, starting a tape ministry. And uh, after a year, I finally surrendered to a call to start a ministry. And God said, this is your ministry. This is what your songs are all about. Put them on these tapes. Put your testimony on this tape and pass them out to my lost sheep out on the highway. I finally surrendered to that call. Amen. And when I surrendered to the call, it was, it was uh, God always, he, he goes before you, uh, opening doors. I said, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. That following Sunday, the pastor met me at the door, right back there in the foyer, and he said, brother, he said, I've got a great idea. He said, we do the Baptist Hour every, every once a month. And he said, uh, how about putting your testimony on tape and we'll put it on the radio. I said, man, you ain't going to believe this because that's what, exactly what God wants me to do is get my testimony on tape and take it with me out on the road and hand it out to truck drivers. And he said, well, praise God, that's what we're going to do. And so we began a tape ministry. That was uh, October 2000, and that tape ministry uh, eventually folded and fell apart, and that was a perfect place to quit. I could have said, God, I tried, it, but I failed, and I wanted to. That's exactly what I wanted to do, because I had tried, and, I, and it fell apart. I called Ray Sisk, and I was just crying. 
I said, Ray, my tape ministry is falling apart. I guess I'm just going to have to quit. He said, brother, you can't quit. God has called you to do that, and you done put your hand to the plow. He said, you got to go forward. got to keep going. Keep on keeping on. There ain't no stopping once you, once you sign up to God's army. And I said, well, I don't know how to do it. He said, God will tell you how. And so I started another ministry, Lonesome Road Ministry for truck drivers. Started it out of my house. That was in 2001. Uh, in 2002, I was, the tape ministry had grown to uh, uh, making 100 tapes a month. Man, that's a lot when you're paying for them yourself. <laughs> and I finally, I said, God, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I can't afford this no more. I said, I know you want me to do a tape ministry, but you're going to have to start paying for these tapes. I can't afford it no more. And it's amazing what happens when you pray and ask God for something. Amen. Isn't it? Yes. That, that next day, I unloaded a load down in uh, Branson, Missouri, and the owner just happened to be there. I got unloaded, and he'd come over to my truck and sign my bills, and I said, wait a minute. I said, I got something I want to give you. And I gave him one of those tapes. He looked at that. He said, wait a minute. I got something I want to give you. And he went to his pickup truck, got his checkbook out, and wrote me a check. <laughs> Ain't God good. <laughs> Ain't God good. And the following week, uh, a church like this one asked me to come and give my testimony. I went and shared my testimony. They took up a collection for my ministry, and it paid for 300 tapes. I haven't, I haven't bought a tape since. God's been paying for them ever since. And it's all about reaching the one. The one. The one that's not here. There's one that's not here. There may be one here that's lost. There may be that lost sheep. Australia is a country where they raise millions of sheep. And right outside of uh, one of the major cities, Sydney, there was this uh, farmer had sheep everywhere. And this, this family had a daughter as she was a little girl, she used to like to sit down on the hill and look up over the city and see all the lights looking towards that city. And as this girl got older and got into her teenage years, she thought, that's where I need to be. This, this farm is stifling me. You know, I, I need to be out in that city. I don't want to be here no more. And she ran away from home. And went to the city, little 16-year-old girl in the city. And this family was devastated. And they would print out pictures of her and take them into Sydney and go all through town, all to the bars and dives and and showing people this little girl's picture. Have you seen my daughter? Have you seen her? Most everybody said, No, we haven't seen her. No. Maybe, I don't know. But I have no. And this family would do it all week long and they get so discouraged and they'd go back home on the weekend and finally one weekend they, they prayed and they asked God what to do. How can we find our lost girl? And God spoke to this man and told him what to do. And the next morning he got up and he put on his shepherd clothes. And he always had a whistle that he'd call his sheep, blow that whistle and call his sheep and they'd come running. And he walked into the town of Sydney with his shepherd clothes on and the whistle around his neck. And he'd walk up and down the streets of Sydney blowing that whistle everywhere. And the people inside the bars and the dives would hear that and they'd look out and some old crazy man in a shepherd clothes blowing that whistle and the word got around everywhere about this crazy old man blowing this whistle. And he'd done this for three, four days, and finally on about the fourth day, walking down the streets, blowing that whistle, this girl inside this bar heard that whistle and thought, what? That can't be. That can't be. 
And as he got a little closer, he blew that whistle again. She walked out of that bar and seen her father walking down the street in his shepherd clothes. And she went running to her father and hugged him. And they were reunited. Jesus Christ, the shepherd and bishop of our souls, he will go to whatever he would do whatever it takes to the nth degree to find his lost sheep. And that's what we are to do. We are to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. That's our call. That's our call. There's lost sheep everywhere. Everybody in here has a family member, a neighbor, a friend that isn't saved, that isn't in church. It's our job to tell them, to reach them. How can we do that? Our ministries are, are tape and CD ministries. We pass them out everywhere. You guys are very familiar with it. And you know the power of a testimony on a CD. Tony Mack. That, that CD can reach thousands of people. And it's doing it across this country right now. I get calls on a daily basis from people that are coming back to the cross, that have never said yes to Jesus, that are being saved for the first time through this message of Tony Max. And we can reach people. We can reach our family members, our neighbors, and our friends if we just go, go, go. Reach that lost one. You know, when I first started the tape ministry, I thought, God, if you'll just let me reach one person, it'll be all worth it. And I remember the first time somebody called me and they said they'd give their life to Christ because of the tape. And I thought, thank you, Lord. But if you'll just give me one more. <laughs> one more, Lord. I've gotten one. And I ask God for one more. And He gives me one more. And then I ask for one more. And I just keep, keep on asking for one more. If we can just win one, I'm the lost sheep. I'm that one that got saved because the pastor cared enough to come to my house and share a little track with me and tell me about this man called Jesus. So if there's one in here, today may be your day. And if you're not here, then you've got somebody that needs to be saved. And I encourage you to take those CDs and share it with them. Take a track and share it with them. Take your Bible and share it with them. I don't care how you do it, but share Jesus Christ with them. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. Hello, Jesus. Yes, it's really me. After all the wrong I've done, Lord. I guess you're surprised to see me here at your altar like a beggar on bended knees who's come here to beg you oh lord please please forgive me i can't make it without you jesus yes i finally see so let me surrender my life to you and Jesus Jesus please forgive me I've learned the truth about Satan's so-called good life oh it was just a candle it was just a candle Too short to burn through the night Now I'm here in the darkness And I come to you and plead Oh, light my life Oh, light my life And Jesus, please forgive me Oh, please forgive me I can't make it 
without you, Jesus. Yes, I finally see, so let me confess my sins, and you can give me eternal life. And Jesus, please, 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 please forgive me. It's our prayer that after you've listened to this CD, it has brought you encouragement that there is hope for a better tomorrow. And if you'd like to ask Jesus into your heart, all you need to do is just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to come into my heart and save me. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. At the crossroads of life, lost without hope. Eighteen wheels of lonesome at the end of the road In my hand was a track the preacher had read His words still echoing in the back of my head I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past Then I called his name this chance would it be my last then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart from down on my knees today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross broken hearted and lonesome so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling Down that old lonesome road I shared the good news wherever I go Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be And I tell everybody what's happened to me How I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past But I called his name this chance, could it be my last? Then I saw Jesus hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart from down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome so long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken-hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree